faith. We ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus for his sake. Amen. Let's all stand, page 154. Yeah. 
59. Let's all stand again. And if someone could get me a bulletin, I'd appreciate it so I can make an announcement.
Remember, uh, on April the 30th, we're going to have a potluck uh, retirement dinner for Brother John and Sister Debbie. And uh, my understanding that service, we're not going to have Sunday school. So no Sunday school next Sunday. And also no evening service next Sunday since we're going to be celebrating his retirement. Uh, also remember on May the 3rd, Crusaders for Christ uh, Derby is going to begin at 6 o'clock. Have your cars in by the 26th of this month and uh, have a good time doing that every time we have it. And I appreciate all the work that goes into that. So we're going to have that. And then the ladies are going to have a tea at 10.30 on uh, May the 6th. And my daughter Tapitha will be speaking for that. And uh, y'all pray for that. I did hear from uh, Brother Keith Lord today, they did surgery on Brother Robert this morning, and uh, he broke the ball of his hip, so they had to go in and repair that. He'll be in the hospital for a little while, so y'all uh, keep him in your prayer. Continue to pray for uh, Brother Rick Oldham, too. I haven't talked to him today, but uh, y'all continue to pray for him.
God's love paid the cost As passion was fastened my nails to a cross I still love the sound as the saints start to sing Songs of the blood Jesus shed just for me Good to have Brother Josh Nixon to preach for us tonight. Uh, come on up, Brother Josh. Uh, got a whole row of family right back there. He can introduce them to you, but uh, appreciate him coming in tonight and preaching to us. Y'all pray for him. Right. It's good to be with y'all tonight. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians. The last time we were here, we only had three of them back there. Uh, we had a much smaller van. So if you want to be cool, get you one of them 12-passenger vans and try to, try to fit it in those parking places. But we do appreciate the Lord's blessings on us. Um, it's my wife, Amanda. Nathan. Micah, Gabriel, Abigail, Hannah, somewhere there in Weston. So I appreciate them. Brother Ron, I was thinking about, uh, I guess almost 19 years ago, uh, I had just asked Amanda to marry me. And my phone, I should have turned it off, but my cell phone was ringing and it was Brother Ron Bagley asking me, do you have that Isaacs CD? And I said, well, I'm kind of busy right now. Uh, she did say yes, by the way, so thankful for that. So anyway, uh, it's good to be with y'all. We, we do appreciate the opportunity. Uh, and we thank a lot of Brother John and Sister Debbie, have a lot of good memories with them. Um, Brother John uh, was a great encouragement to Daddy during some low times in his life. Um, and I do appreciate him and um, doing that. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 tonight, if you want to stand. And in verse 11, we'll start. And it says in Ephesians 3 and verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a theme that goes through Ephesians, and if you're going to understand some pretty deep uh, concepts, if you're going to uh, understand the foreknowledge of God, if you're going to look at those difficult concepts uh, there in the Word of God and not get off base, you're going to have to go through that concept in Christ. In Christ, in Christ. And then he says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. 
For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You can be seated. A student of the word of God will notice in Ephesians that Ephesians has uh, certain topics, certain divisions, certain things that they address. First of all, they will address a church in its city. A church in its city. This church at Ephesus did not have an easy road to hope. Ephesus was a wicked city religiously. Uh, it was a wicked city. Uh, and, but God in His grace and mercy stepped down at Ephesus. And Paul started a work there. And God blessed it through all those struggles. It was not easy. Paul talked about in Corinthians, I believe, he, talk, he mentioned the beast at Ephesus. He wasn't talking about lions or bears, what have you, but he was talking about how vicious they tried to attack him and how vicious they tried uh, to destroy him. But that church, and its, uh, uh, that church and its work went on. And here you have Paul writing to this church here. Uh, and this writer in his cell... Paul is not riding out of some ivory tower. Uh, he is riding chained to a Roman guard. He's riding with his freedom taken away. Uh, he's riding in a dark place. He's riding in a bad place. But you don't find him uh, in this place being negative. Uh, you find him being constructive. Uh, he, he could have dwelled on the bad place he was at, but he just mentions it in passing by just saying, I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'm a prisoner of Christ. In fact, you'll find out that Paul, that, that we classify four of his epistles as prison epistles, uh, but that doesn't include Timothy where he's talking about, I fought a good fight. So more than likely he was uh, incarcerated in some form or fashion then. And then there's other books as well where more than likely he was in prison and more, probably over 50% of his books, if you look carefully, were probably written, incarcerated, with his freedom taken away from him. Uh, but despite that, you see some of the most finest, some of the most gracious, some of the most wonderful words are written about Christ. And you'll find that he focused on Christ in his, uh, in his capacity here in Ephesians. Ephesians, uh, there's several ways you can break, 
uh, break it out. Uh, but I like uh, Ruth Paxson's book on it. She probably structured it the very best uh, back in the early 1900s when she talked about, first of all, you have our wealth in Christ. Our wealth in Christ. You, you know, the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about riches here. We're supposed to enjoy being poor and not talk about being rich. Uh, and, and if your uh, focus is on the riches that this world has to offer, you're going to miss it. Uh, but there's a lot to say about the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, you'll find the word uh, riches is used five times alone in the book of Ephesians. It's used, uh, it's used to talk about earlier in verse in chapter 3 and verse 8, he talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. He's saying he's so rich, he's, it's, fast, it's past finding out. He's so rich that you just can't get to the bottom of it. Uh, and he, verse 16, he mentions the riches of his glory. The riches of his glory. Uh, we focus sometimes on riches by how much cash you have. Uh, what the dollar figure is, what your financial statements say. But the best definition I heard about riches is what does an impact, does a purchase have on your wealth and resources? How much do you have left over? What are you looking at if you had to purchase something? Now, the Lord has blessed me, uh, but if I had to uh, go purchase a vehicle... Uh, if, if I had to go do that, I, I'm going to be pretty broke by the end of the day. I might have enough credit. I could walk out of the dealership with, with a, a vehicle. Uh, but they would have a note that says, I owe them this on this date uh, for this long period of time. Uh, what I'm saying is I wouldn't have a lot of resources left over. But when it talks about him being rich talks about the riches of His grace and it talks about the riches of His glory. It talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. What is He saying? Is that uh, there, there's not a purchase that really truly impacts that. That it's vast. You see, they tell me that Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. Uh, that he's the richest man in the world. Most people think, well, why don't rich people pay as many taxes? Well, what, they, what most rich people at that level, their richness is tied in to the value of the stock of their company. So he owns Tesla and the Space uh, Explorer, whatever it's titled, and his, uh, his value is tied to what that stock price is. And he takes on debt, and he gets his money through debt, and that way you don't pay taxes on debt. Now, again, it's a, it's a sleight of hand. I, I, I'm not going against that, so don't, don't turn me off here. But tomorrow, if he was to wake up, and his stock value of his company was zero. He'd be the most in debt man in the world. He'd have to be making calls. And even now at his very best, if you was to go to him and say, how, how do we fix world hunger? How do we pay off our national debt? He said, well, my company don't have enough to pay for that. I'm going to have to make some calls. So when it talks about the riches of Christ, there's never a problem where Christ takes the call. And he says, hold up, I don't have enough grace for that. Let me make a few calls. There's never been a pain or sorrow that you've gone through. Where when you go to him in prayer broken, he says, hold up, 
I don't have quite enough. That if you can wait till Friday when I I can make another deposit, it'll be okay. Uh, but but don't cash a check till then. He's never going to say that. His wealth is vast. What he has to offer is beyond comprehension. There'll never be a need you have. Y'all that have preached in the jail, y'all that's preached in the prison, y'all uh, that have ministered here at the church, there's never a sinner that's going to darken your doors, that's going to come through, that's going to have lived so wickedly. Where Christ says, my blood just can't quite cover that. Hold, We're going to have to figure some other way. We're going to have to figure some other way to pay the penalty for that. He's already paid the penalty. We can say when we preach in the jails with the uttermost authority, he'll save you if you'll come to him. If you're tired of your sin, if you're tired of where sin has taken you, if you're tired of what the works of your hands have done, just turn to him, call on him, and he'll save you. And we can say that with confidence. Why? Because he's rich. He's rich. And that's what Paul focuses on here. He focuses on the riches that we have in Christ, our wealth. But then he also focuses on, and basically the first three chapters of Ephesians is on this richness, is on this wealth, as, as we're going to talk about in chapter 3. But he also talks about in chapters 4 or 5 in the first part of chapter 6, he talks about the Christian's walk. And, and there's a walk we're to have in Christ. We're, we're to, and, and it's not just talking about our outward walk, though our inward Working, the Spirit's inward working on us will affect our outward walk. There's just some things we won't do. There's just some places we won't go uh, or we shouldn't go. Uh, our flesh might take us that way, but uh, the Spirit working in us should be taking us out. Uh, should be keeping us from that. But there's a walk that we have. There's a walk that we should have in our church. There's a walk that we should have in our home, in our family. Why? Because the, the riches in chapters 1, 2, and 3 will get, get us through that. There's a reason he starts with the riches in chapters 1 through 3. It's because the walk's going to be tough. The walk's going to be tough. But because of what we have in chapters 1 through 3, we can walk in Christ. We can walk for Him. And then we have our warfare in chapter 6. Why? Because of Him. So that's what Paul writes about here. And in this last chapter about his riches, he has a prayer. He has two key prayers in Ephesians. We want to talk about the second one. But the first prayer, chapter 1, he's praying that God, uh, that, 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 that they may know these truths. A lot of Christians, uh, they don't know the Word of God. They, they've never spent time in the Word of God. They've never learned to love the Word of God. Like the ladies were singing about that old time way. I, that's what I grew up in. That's what I grew up in was not a substitute. That was not a substitute. That was where God got to stirring. Uh, and, and I remember being miserable, not learning to worship. Uh, and that I got saved when I was 11, but I was 17, 18 years old before I learned to worship. But I learned to worship with God stirring in a church service. And God just stepping up where teach, a preacher didn't have to pretend. You didn't have to work it up. You didn't have to pump and prime it. But God got to move in in the church service. And Paul is at, wanting them to know about the fullness of God. And want to know what they have. He's wanting them to, uh, to realize uh, of what they are. To know the power of God. 
and to know about the power that works in us and, and, and to know that we're in Christ. And because we're in Christ, we have access to everything. But now in these verses that we've read tonight, he's talking about this concept of realization that they may be. It's a prayer that they will appropriate, that they'll put on what Christ has for them. That they can put on what Christ has for them. It matters not. You can, someone could have bought you a $1,000 suit. $1,000 suit. And say it's yours. But that suit's not going to do you any good until you take the time to take it out of the closet. Unzip the garment bag. Take it out. Put it on. Put it on like it's supposed to be put on. And then use it. And he's praying that for him on that process of realization. He's focused on the riches. And now we see what we have here. And he shows us, first of all, he talks about the process of realization. Again, putting on what we can have in Christ. What he's already paid for. What we can have just by being saved. But we're going to have to use it. And he uses the word that to introduce us to. Uh, to each of these phases here. He says, first of all, that you might be strengthened with what might by His Spirit in the inner man. There's a tendency to just accept that we have to be weak Christians. There's a tendency to just accept that we just have to just give in to the flesh. That we just have to struggle in the flesh. Now again, there's going to be struggles in the flesh. But I'm going to be honest with you, and if we'll be honest with yourself, there's times we give in to the flesh where we don't have to give in to the flesh. But why are we doing that? Because we're weak. We're like the disciples on the boat. He said, oh ye of little faith, we have enough faith to get on the boat. We might have enough faith to step on the water. But we don't have the faith to the extent that we need to just see him as he is. And be able to apply that concept. And he said that you might be strengthened with his spirit in the inner man. And then he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. It's easy to pass that over. But Brother Marty, if I was to go to your house, I would probably say Marty lives here. Jane lives here. Why? Y'all probably have it organized how y'all want to have it organized. Y'all probably have it clean the way you may want to have it clean. You, you might have your chair in the way the chair... Why? Because it's your house. You live there. You dwell there. You say, how do we know Christ lives in somebody? Well, if you look at them closely, there's something different about them. They're different than how they're, they're used to be. Brother David Epps was preaching about, uh, about that this morning, talking about his grandparents, the impact that Christ made on their life. They were different. He remember how mean and bad his, his grandpa was, and then how all of a sudden he changed. How all of a sudden he was different. Why? Because Christ was living in him. And then he talked about getting saved, and he talked about that there's a fragrance that comes up from Christians why? Because of Christ living on the inside of us and Christ dwelling. It's not say Christ visiting, but Christ dwelling on us and dwelling in our hearts. 
And he said that you being rooted and grounded in love, that, that rooted concept, uh, if a tree is unhealthy and it can't grow roots deep like it needs to be, it don't matter how much you process around it, you dig around it, you try to fertilize it, you try to water it, you try to give it the support. If something gets wrong with that tree where the roots don't go deep enough based on what type of tree it is, it's going to die. But he's saying that we can be rooted and grounded in Christ. You say, what's wrong with modern Christianity today is they moved away from that. There's no pretense anymore of being rooted and grounded in Christ. They've come up with methods. They've come up with other ways uh, that they think is more appropriate that'll get a bigger crowd, that'll get a bigger bigger offering. And, And they're moving away from the fundamentals of Christ. And then he mentions, he said, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints and the breadth what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You say, Brother Josh, I've been, I've been praying for the fullness of God in my life. It is all going to depend on your view of Christ. If you've gotten your eyes off of Christ, you're going to struggle in your spiritual life. If, if Christ isn't in the center of your heart, if, it, it, you'll struggle. If Christ isn't in the center of your home, you'll struggle. Now, again, I can tell I'm getting cold on God because my relationship with my wife has get, gotten off. And vice versa. She's smiling. She's awful pretty right now. But we're both flawed, can be flawed. But when our hearts are right with Christ, we're a little more forgiven, Brother Ron. It's a lot more quickly. If my heart's right with God, I still got a little temper. I still might say, mouth off and say, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it. Why? Because Christ is on the inside. I've gotten attention. That, you know, he's been good to me. He's been good to me. My wife, he's giving me my wife, he's giving these kids. You'll find yourself more patient with the kids when, when you're focused on Christ, when you've met, met with Christ. Now, sometimes you might need to go take care of some business as dad and mom. Because your kids can be crazy. But it helps when you're in love with Christ. We pass over those phrases. Length. How long is God's love? When did He start loving us? That's a question that theologians have been trying to figure out for centuries. All I know is the Bible said He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I was listening to uh, the late E.V. Hill preach in the early 90s about the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He can change your yesterday. I like that. But when it talks about that verse, it's saying that he doesn't change. So somehow you go back far enough, he loved you. He loved sinners. He loved sinners through his son. You go forward as far as you can go, he'll still love you. Now that might not mean much. Maybe you're not as flawed as me. And maybe you've not done the stupid things I've done. The things that deserve his contempt. The things that deserve his judgment. But I found him to be faithful 
to forgive me of my sins and to keep loving me. When I need to hear, hey, I love you. He says, I love you. And, and there's nothing like it. Why? Because my wife can tell me she loves me, but there might be a time where she doesn't pick up her phone and she can't say, hey, I love you. I, I love you too. She don't pick up her phone. Could be because she's visiting her mom or sister and don't want to answer the phone. I'm, I'm kidding. But there's never a time when I'm low and I'm a broken heart. And sometimes it's, it's been in the oddest places. Sometimes, but Terry, I haven't asked him to tell me he loves me. Sometimes there's a song that comes on the radio. There's a song that the Hendersons were singing. It, it, it come up on my YouTube feed and played it. And man, I got talking about as small as I am. And uh, the Holy Ghost crawled up in that Nissan Altima with me. From Georgia 400. I was stopped because it was Georgia 400. But man, he got to telling me how much he loved me. And reminded me what he had done for me in the past. And it was nothing like it. It was rich. I left rich. I left saying, I'm rich. How long? As far as you can go back, as far as you can go forward, he loves you. How wide? There's never been a sinner I've seen him reject. I've seen him come too good for him to save. I have seen I've jail. Most of the time, the reason I like preaching in the jail is you don't have to convict most, most of the time the convicts you would think. You, but most, and most of the time that's true. You don't have to convince them. I've messed up. Sometimes in church, you have to spend a lot of time convincing people they've messed up. But there's been a few in there. You're surprised. I mean, they are a rebel without a cause. I mean, they wear their badge of rebellion with honor. But God loves them. But I've seen, brother, I've seen enough broken men that's got to the end of their life. That you say, I'm tired. I can't go on. That have gotten saved. I've never seen anybody be so wicked. That he can't save. That's how wide anybody can get in. How deep? I don't know how, how deep, a, how low a sinner is. That's how deep he can reach. I, I've, not, I, I've not gotten to, I've gotten to some low places. I'm going to be honest with you. I've gotten to some low places. And I've been surprised the deep places he can reach down. And in love pick me up. Any of y'all been in deep places and found out, hey, he loves me? He loves me? How high? How high? He's at the right hand of the Father. Now, he created the world in six days through his word. Okay? And for 2,000 years, he's been preparing a place. And what else? Ever making intercession for us. That's how high he is. That's how high he is. The process of realization. The possibility that he would grant you. That's the possibility. He would not have put it in his word of God. He, he wouldn't put it in that it is better to live. That there's a better way we can live as Christians. We don't have to live defeated. We don't have to live weak. I forgot to give you the title. Being what he wants you to be. Being what he wants you to be. By him putting it in there that he would grant you. That he's wanting to grant you more than you wanting to be granted. 
according to the riches of His glory. Now, if you had a problem, if you had all these debts to pay, Brother Martin, if you had all these debts to pay and you needed someone to take care of those, if he was to give you a $20 bill, he's paying out of his riches. But if he was to give you, someone was to give you blank checks that gave you access, that's according to his riches. Meaning there, there's enough to pay for your debt. Here, take everything that you need to pay for your debt. There's that possibility that we can be in a low place. And maybe there's some people listening to the sound of my voice tonight. You're in a low, low place. As a Christian, you've gotten as low as you can go. But He's wanting to grant you a better way. He's wanting that you to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. You know what's impressive when you see people do a, do a, just a feat of strength like the world's strongest man with those deadlift over a thousand pounds? You know? Y'all that may have lifted in high school or maybe, you know, uh, before you got too old to do it. When you say a thousand pounds, that just blows my mind. Usually they, they track what it was at the 500-pound club, then the 1,000-pound club back in high school. Uh, but when you see someone just lift it up, you're awestruck. That's what he's saying that he has, that... I want you to be strengthened with mind, not by your own strength, not by the works of your hand or by the works of your flesh, but by the work of that inner man, that inner man. The provision for his realization is his spirit. It is his spirit where he can touch, he can help, he can encourage he, he said, I'm sending a, I, I've got to go away, but I'm sending a comforter for you. Amen. So that comforter never leaves us, ne uh, that can, is always there to encourage us, that always says, when we're about to sin, you better not, you better not. And then after we sin, he says, you better run to him, you better get, 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 get forgiveness, you better go to the cross, you better uh, plead the blood and ask him to forgive you uh, of your sins. Why? That we might live in might. And not in weakness. He says. So what's this. The, we have this provision. What's the purpose of this. Uh, of putting it on. To, first of all. To establish Christ's presence. In possession of us. Do you own yourself. Or does Christ. You see if you're the one. That makes decisions for us. You're, for yourself. You can talk however you want to talk. You can act however you want to act. You can go wherever you want to go. You can watch whatever you want to watch. But when Christ is in possession of us, and possession means you're in control, verses 14 down through 19, it shows us what this is, uh, that He wants us by faith, to be, He wants to be in control of our lives, to have more of a presence in our lives. He wants to ensure, to enhance His preciousness. Through his love. Is he precious to you tonight? Is he above all when you think about what you have, what you've accumulated? If you think, man, I have all this. Man, if I was to lose it all tomorrow, what's the most important, most precious thing? He should be that. Him. Him. Doesn't he deserve that? Doesn't he deserve our very best worship. 
doesn't he deserve, if you was to ask a wife, a wife or a husband that's been married, uh, doesn't, doesn't that, don't you deserve for, for being married for him to love you? For there to be something in your heart that, uh, that, that's excited uh, of being close to your wife or being close to your husband. Don't they deserve that? We say, of course, that's their husband. That's their wife. They deserve that. Doesn't Christ deserve it? We, we, we've, we've had the, the, the uh, uh, Easter time. Uh, we've talked about uh, what he's done at the cross. We've talked about how he's risen from the grave. We've talked about his forgiveness. Uh, I did more of my sin and after I got saved as an 11-year-old boy than I did before. And, and we've proven his faithfulness. And so how much more does he deserve our heart to be excited? There, there be an emotional reaction that our hearts get stirred. If we can get stirred, if we can, get, if we can tear up watching old Hiller... Ladies, if we, if we can cry watching a BBC masterpiece classic. How, I see, I hear I, I, somebody out there has got to confess. How much more should we be stirred when we consider Christ? How much more should we consider the price he paid for you? The price he, how deep he went down for me. The closer you get, the more the Holy Ghost works in your heart, the more deeper I realized how, how I was. The more lost I realized I was. The more bad I realized I was. That's how you can tell the Holy Ghost is working. If you're flesh, the flesh, the flesh if you're living in the flesh, the flesh is like, man, you know, I look pretty good. But the Holy Ghost, when, when you get in the Word of God and the Holy Ghost starts working in your heart, you see how big He is, how good He is, how much He deserves your praise, how little you've given Him. How you've messed up in your life and yet he put your life back together. How many times he's put the broken pieces together. And doesn't he deserve to be precious, to be high, to be the very best in your mind, the most important thing in your life. He deserves that. He deserves that. And he gives us power for this. Power to live this way. You know, I, he's not offering something. He's not telling you to do something and not being capable of doing it. He, he's capable. He has the ability to give you power. And then secondly, he can do beyond. He, he says, I'm able. I'm able. And you're able to do what? He says, exceedingly, abundantly above. I don't know how broken you may be tonight. But I've been pretty broken at times. And, and he says, I not only can fix your brokenness. There's some low places to go that you can be in. He says, not only can I fix it. But when I get done fixing it, fixing it you can realize I could have done much more. I could have fixed much more abundantly because I'm God. Amen. That we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. If you can ask it or think it, he can do above it. And then finally, and I'm done, he's notice the praise for realization. You say, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to stick our chest out? Are we going to brag on ourselves? Are we going to pat ourselves on the back? He said, no, he said, unto him. He, he, Paul has talked... 
about the riches that we can have in Christ for three chapters. And it's not really wordy. Like each verse is just packed with something wonderful. But he gets to the end of it. You say, how would somebody end that before he's going to talk about the Christian's walk? He says, unto him be glory. I don't know if y'all remember uh, Paul Cornett. He, he, would, he wouldn't ask permission. He would just start praising. Yeah. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Glory, glory, glory. And that's what Paul's saying. Imagine you're chained to him. He, said, he starts saying glory. Glory. And where's this glory to be found? In the church. By Christ Jesus. Throughout all ages. World without end. Amen. I've read a lot of good books. He's not even through with this book of Ephesians here. He's not through. But he. Just that phrase is just beautiful. And then he ends it. Amen. Amen. Sometimes as preachers we got to do our own amens. <laughs> He's by himself there writing. Maybe Timothy or one of the others is around. I don't know. But he's writing that, and he's just like, glory to him. He's how you going to end that, Paul? Unto him be glory. In Paul's dark time, in his prison time, he is pointing and saying glory to him. When you get to the point where you've let him fix the broken in your heart, and, and you've put on that fullness of God. Where he just, he's not in, just in your life. And that's basic for Christians. If you're born again, he's in your life. But if we'll be honest, most of the time, he's not all in our life. He's not filling our life. We can tell by the decisions we make, by the things we do. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't have control of our life like he wants, like he demands, like he deserves. But doesn't he deserve that? Doesn't he... Uh, deserve our glory. And if I can get the pianist to come. Uh, but Terry, if you'll come get a, a, a song invitation. I don't know if there's anybody as they get ready to sing that just maybe have, like I do many times, just been a little remiss on our thankfulness. That maybe just needs to come and say, Lord, thank you for being good to me. I hadn't let you live the fullness to me that you deserve, but I want you to have full access. Would you come tonight and pray that? that he
that message. Uh, appreciate Brother Josh coming and preaching for us tonight. Uh, let him know how much you like. Uh, appreciate the message. Uh, Brother Nathan, would you lead us in prayer to dismiss us? <laughs>